Well, good morning, Eastbridge. It's uh, a blessing and a privilege to be back with you, with your fellowship. Was here about a month ago, and Lord willing, we'll be back with you for a Sunday in October. Uh, so I look forward to that. It is, again, a blessing and, and a privilege to be worshiping with you on this Sabbath day, this Lord's day. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 2. Those of you who were here with me last time in August uh, know that we considered Ezekiel chapter 1, but today we'll be reading from Ezekiel chapter 2. And this is the word of the Lord. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn. I send them to you, I send you to them, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions. Be not afraid of their works, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me. And it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. There is a sense that before we hear the good news, we must hear the bad news. The good news of the gospel is that there is hope in Jesus Christ for sinners. That God raises to new life men and women and children who are dead in their sins. But the bad news is, is that outside of Christ, mankind is dead and lost in sin, hardened against God's word. Today, we will hear through the words of the prophet Ezekiel some of the bad news before we hear some of the good news. And we will always come back to that good news, that there is hope. And so today, when you read the passage in Ezekiel 2, and notice how many times the word rebellious has come out, if you're reading the ESV translation. A few weeks ago, when I was with you in your worship time, we read through chapter one in Ezekiel and we considered his vision of the glory of God. And it was a striking and moving glimpse into the very throne room of heaven, as it were. I hope it encouraged you 
if you were here worshiping that day. And I hope you were inspired to consider God's glory. But now in chapter two, the prophet Ezekiel must come back to earth, so to speak. And now he and what we are reading today is something of a wake-up call and something like a dousing of cold water. Maybe you've experienced a cold shower and know what that's like. It immediately wakes you up. Ezekiel, the prophet, is called by God to preach his word, God's word, the holy word to the nation of Israel. And if you recall Ezekiel's history, the people of Judah had been taken into exile to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar, and they did not go willingly. It was not a vacation for them. The Babylonian army had conquered Jerusalem and had torn down and destroyed the temple. It was a time of sorrow for the people of Judah, and it was a time of judgment because of their sin and their hardness of heart. And so again, before we hear the good news, we must consider the bad news and take a look at ourselves and the world around us. Verse three in our passage says, and he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels. They had sinned against God. So let's pause and consider then, what, what did Judah, the people of Judah and Israel do? What was their sin and what is sin? Well, here we turn back to our confessional standards in the shorter catechism, question 14. The answer is that sin is disobeying or not conforming to God's law. The people of Judah had repeatedly violated God's law. They had turned away from him, from worshiping the true God, and they had turned to the idols of the nations around them. Another of the Old Testament prophets, Zephaniah, describes how the people bowed down to Molech, that was the God of the Ammonites, who were a neighboring nation to Judah. God's people had violated the very first commandment, that you shall have no other gods before me. And they had also been greedy, and they had mistreated and sinned against those among their number, those, the widows and the orphans and those who were in need. Verse three in our passage says, they and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. And that's God speaking to Ezekiel. Maybe as you read and study through the Old Testament, you have noticed a pattern that God's people fall multiple times into sin and rebellion against him. If you have read through the books of Kings and Chronicles, and I encourage you to read them, you will see how many of the kings of Israel were, shall we say, less than stellar in their leadership of God's people. Remember kings like Ahab and his wife Jezebel and Manasseh. These were evil kings who led God's people astray and led them into sin. God's people had turned their backs on him. And this is what happens even to those in the visible church, that people seem to be swept away, turning away from the Lord and away from Christ. Perhaps this has happened to you. 
Maybe you know of a close friend or a family member who professed faith in the Lord but seemed to turn his or her back on, on Christ. I know that has happened to me. Sin is real and God will not overlook sin because of his holiness. He cannot overlook sin. And this is the testimony of the whole Bible, of God's word. And even three chapters into the Bible in Genesis 3, we see what has happened, the way that men and women rebel and turn away and turn against God. This is the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It is a record not only of sin and rebellion, but it is also a record of God forgiving and redeeming his chosen, his elect people from their sins through a redeemer, the Lord Jesus. And we can't read the Bible without seeing this theme all the way through. And that's why God's word is not just a collection of stories and moralisms and pious sounding sayings. It's not just a story that makes us feel good, but it is to show us who our God is and what he has done for us in Christ. So there is the bad news that we read today in our passage in Ezekiel chapter two, that God's people were wicked and rebellious. And we will soon hear the good news again. The Lord is merciful and righteous that he has sent his son to forgive us from our sins. As we think about the passage of God speaking through Ezekiel about sin and rebellion, let's pause for a minute and think, what, what does sin do to us? Verses four to 10 give us a glimpse in Israel's sin of how all of mankind has become before the Lord and those who are outside of, of Christ. So why is mankind, in quotes, impudent, stubborn, and rebellious, as the passage reads? Well, that kind of language certainly does not fit the therapeutic age we live in today that makes much of man, really, that tickles the ears of people. God's word is very honest and clear about the nature of our hearts. And I've heard it said that the Bible, God's word is like a mirror and it really shows you and me who we are. You know, sometimes when you look in the mirror early in the morning, you don't always like what you see. And that's what God's word and his law do for us. It shows us our hearts and it shows us our need for a savior. Ephesians chapter two, verse one says very clearly, and you were, were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And that is the apostle Paul writing to a church and telling them what they were before they knew Christ. And that is what you and I were before we knew him. Romans 3, 23 through 24 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There again, that's some of the bad news. But now, and are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verses four to five, God again tells his prophet to go to a people who are rebellious and stubborn. And a stubborn and rebellious person wants to do what he wants to do regardless of what anyone says or how it affects other people. 
And this was Israel's sin and they did what was right in their own eyes. Perhaps you've known someone who seems to only do what is right in his or her own own eyes and has no thought for how it affects anyone else. The Lord also tells uh, Ezekiel that they, that means Judah, the people of God, will refuse to hear God's word. And they will refuse to listen to Ezekiel. Many of them will not listen when he comes to preach to them. And so is this not the pattern of history that those who bear God's word are often ridiculed and rejected and despised and insulted? And I think, first of all, our Lord Jesus himself, the perfectly righteous son of God, was not even respected in his own hometown. In fact, he was thrown out of his hometown. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. And that's not something that should surprise us. Maybe you have been ridiculed or insulted because of your faith in the Lord. Jesus says that we are to count ourselves blessed when that happens. What are some ways then that sin affects fallen man? Well, first, it leads people to despise God's word. In verse five, God warns Ezekiel that many will refuse to hear him even when he speaks the very words of God. They will not listen to God's chosen messenger, to his prophet. They are a rebellious house, as it says in verse five. How much like today and how little has really changed since Ezekiel's day. This was Satan's strategy, our enemy, even in the garden with our first parents. And remember how Satan approached Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say? Do you not hear echoes of that even today? Even from the pulpits, sadly, the pulpits of some churches or those that call themselves churches. Maybe you've heard statements like this. The Bible really doesn't say that marriage is to be between one man and one woman. Or the Bible doesn't really teach that there are two genders by God's design, male and female. The Bible doesn't really teach that Jesus is the only way to God. How many of you, without raising your hands, have heard those statements? I I have heard them. I have read them on blogs and on social media. It's very common today. I wish I had time to address those questions, but I would uh, only turn you to solid teaching like Ligonier Ministries or others that can help, uh, help you understand and think through and how to respond when people come to you with those statements. But notice the pattern here. It begins with an attack on God's word, on his special revelation to us. As it is in 21st century America, so it was in Judah in the 6th century BC, exiled in Babylon. There would be many that refused to listen to God's word spoken through Ezekiel. Another effective sin is calling evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This again was the pattern of rebellious Israel in the Old Testament. They would sin against God, they would violate his law and they would worship other gods and they would call evil good. And they would persecute the true prophets who came to tell them that they were calling evil good and good evil. And there is another passage written more than 2,000 years ago that could easily be written today in 21st century America. Do you not see this around you today? People calling evil good and good evil, celebrating their sin and condemning anyone who dares to question what they're doing. So there are many today that we see around us calling evil good and good evil. Another effect of sin is the individualistic, and that's a $20,000 word this morning, I understand, individualistic rebellion against God and just the someone doing what they want to do. We Americans, we don't have any problem understanding what individualism is. It is ingrained in us, in our culture. Be yourself. Be a self-made person. And you've probably heard this. You be you. I heard that on a TV commercial. You be you. Whatever that is. We see something of this attitude, this rebellion against God in the book of Judges. And I would encourage you to read Judges, though at times it's not, I admit for me, it's not an easy book to read, particularly the last three chapters, because it is so honest about sin. The last verse in the book of Judges reads this, and everyone did what was right in his eyes. When we forsake God's way and when we turn away from him and his word, we're guilty of this of doing what is right in our eyes because we break our mooring, our attachment and we drift away into sin. And we don't have that tie to God's word like a ship is moored in the harbor and can't drift out into the ocean. Back to verse five in our passage and whether they refuse or refuse to hear. And that sounds very much like a group of people doing what was right in their own eyes. Another effect of sin is hating the truth and those who bear the truth. And we mentioned this uh, just a few minutes ago. In verse six, God says, and you son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions. That is not and must not have been for Ezekiel a very pleasant thought. Imagine God having to say, don't be afraid of them because essentially they're going to hate you and not listen to anything you say. I have never sat on a scorpion, but it does not sound like something I want to do. Nor do I want to sit on thorns and briars and Maybe you know what it's like to be walking barefoot and step on some briars. It is not very pleasant. Recall again Jesus' words to us. The world will hate you because it hated me first. 
And in John 15, 19, Jesus says, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. These days that tends to come through social media, but perhaps you've been called a bigot or a hater or of some other such name on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is you use today. It tends to not be in the public square yelling at you, although that does happen today. Now it's more on social media. But I want to encourage you today to not be discouraged by that. Know that Jesus, your Savior, went before you and he was hated. The world will not like us because of our testimony and our faith in Jesus. But we know that we serve a triumphant and risen Savior who will one day make all things right. So the bad news today is the effects of sin, rebellion against God, not only on the people of Judah, but all of mankind everywhere. And now the good news. So let's think today about how Ezekiel's message can encourage us. First, let it encourage you to know that God changes lives. He saves the lost. He raises sinners to life. He saves those whom he has called and those who turn in faith to Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel today that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, saved us, and given us new life. Later in the book of Ezekiel, God will give him a famous vision, and you're probably, I would guess, familiar with this part of Ezekiel of the Valley of Dry Bones. That comes uh, in chapter 38, I believe. That's probably the most famous and well-known passage in Ezekiel. Notice that bones and skeletons do not come back to life. They need transforming grace. And that is what God did for you and for me if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You and I were once like those bones, the dry bones, and God gave us life just through his grace alone. In John chapter six, Jesus says, all the father who gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Salvation is God's work in us, in you and me. So let us take encouragement from this that though we live like Ezekiel in a stubborn and rebellious generation, that God is at work seeking and saving the lost that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Second, let us not be fearful as we live in our present day as believers in Christ. Philippians 2 speaks of living in a crooked and perverse generation. And once again, that is our connection to the prophet Ezekiel. He also lived in a crooked and perverse generation. And God gave Ezekiel a difficult challenge, a difficult calling that he was to preach the word to a stubborn and sinful people. I think it's tempting to, to think that we may be far removed from the Old Testament, but we really aren't because we see in a passage like today very much what's happening in our culture today. 
Verse six says, do not be afraid of them and do not be afraid of their words. I encourage you today again, do not be fearful. You serve a risen Lord and Savior who has put all things under his feet, who is coming back one day. So if you are on the receiving end of bitterness and an insult and slander, then rejoice, even though it might be hard to know that he has won the victory for you. Third, let us listen to 1 Peter three fifteen through 16. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have within you, but with gentleness and respect, so that when we are slandered by those who revile our good behavior, they will be ashamed. Remember today the good news of the gospel. Remember that God changes lives through Christ. And remember what the Bible is very honest about, that you and I as believers, that we live surrounded by a rebellious people, but we have, we have the good news that they need to hear. So take it to them. Talk and speak in whatever place God has placed you Testify and show people that good news that you have, the living, risen Lord Jesus Christ, Savior that you know and who has changed your life. So may God bless and encourage you today, Eastbridge Church, with that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word that how clear and honest it is about our hearts, Lord. And Lord, we pause and thank you now for your grace, Lord, again, only by your grace that you saved us and poured out your mercy through Christ to give us new hearts. Lord, I, I do pray for Eastbridge Church. I pray that all, everyone listening here would go out with this news and in whatever place or setting or calling you have given um, these people here, Lord, may you encourage them uh, to speak boldly about Christ and that they would be encouraged as they go forth from here. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers today and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.